To the Fantasy Football Podcast, comma, MD. Uh, I'm your co-host, Mitch, and uh, we have David. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Saturday morning, we got three football games today on a Saturday. Oh, yes. So, uh, couldn't be better. Yeah, it's easier to go through our football Saturdays when I don't have Georgia here to disappoint me and make me sad. Now, all I have is my fantasy prowess to make me sad. Yeah, that makes you sad, but you did get... um, we got a double whammy last Sunday with the Falcons beating the Niners. Falcons won, and I lost money. Oh, man. I have to say, that's one I would have never predicted. It was very nice. I had a great time being able to watch that end and watch the same look that Kyle Shanahan had probably when he didn't run the ball when he was up 28-3. Yeah, yeah. Very, very stupid. When you're watching the Falcons game, and for the last, I don't know, 10 years, you're like, okay, we get to the five-yard line at the end of every big game. And we never score. What's different about this week? Huh? Mitch bet on the game. <laughs> See, well, the way I was looking at it is we got to the five-yard line. So the obvious thing there is to throw it to Julio Jones. What do we do first down? Throw it to Austin Hooper. What do we do second down? Throw it to Austin Hooper. Third down, what's the call? Throw it to Justin Gage. Well, good news is he was covered. Matt finally found Julio. And, and we finally finished. And his alien body got in. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, let's get right to it. This is our. This will be the last episode of the 2019 season. So uh, season finale. Season finale. So let's get right into kind of um, like our like our recap of the season. Oh man, it's been a crazy fantasy football year. I think the best place to start the faces of every franchise, the quarterbacks in the quarterback position. And my first thing that I'll start off with, and I said at the beginning of the year, and I'll say it again, you don't need to draft quarterbacks early in fantasy football. It never works out for you. This year, the top four fantasy quarterbacks that were drafted, according to Fantasy Pros, were Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Baker Mayfield. If you had three of those quarterbacks, and you know which three of those are, you had a very disappointing season. Yeah, we were also talking about in our first episode before the season started, uh, like right before drafting, who is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, this whole season's been defined by Lamar Jackson, fantasy and NFL. He's the hottest thing um, I predicted a couple weeks ago that he'd get injured. He's still staying healthy. He's thick. They have a good scheme. He doesn't take big hits. They're um, lobbying to the officials and the media. Don't hit Lamar hard because they, they know he's everything. He's their future. Um, so, I mean, if you took Mahomes in the first or second round, I, I bet you're not going to championship week. And if you have Lamar Jackson on your team and you're not going to championship week, you you really screwed up. Oh, yeah. You made some bad picks there. I don't know what you would have done. Maybe you picked Antonio Brown in the first round, or maybe you figured that a former Steeler player would help you out in Le'Veon Bell. But, yeah, you did some – you did some – you done fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, just some of the bust of the year, all the players associated with the Steelers last year. Antonio Brown, Juju, Big Ben, Le'Veon – James Conner loved the guy, but man, he he seems a little little, little fragile. Well, you're associated with the Steelers, and you're still on the Steelers. You got hurt. If you were associated with Steelers and you left, you just didn't play well, or didn't play in Antonio Brown's case. It, it's crazy to think about that. How Unless you're their defense. That's true. Second ranked defense. Oh yeah, defense has been phenomenal this year. Outscored half their fantasy players this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as our prediction recap, with I mean, you hit the nail on the head with quarterback. We did the um, <clears throat> statue versus mobile quarterback. I mean, it just seems like it's the year of the mobile quarterback. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, 
Deshaun Watson, Steady Eddie. Dak Prescott doesn't run a lot, but he runs to get outside the pocket and seems like Amari Cooper or Gallup are always wide open. Prescott's actually another good example of those quarterbacks you can draft late, give you better value. Now, I'll be honest with you, if you told me that Dak Prescott would be one of the top five quarterbacks in fantasy football by the end of the year, I would have told you you're crazy. But he's really evolved as a passer to be able to add on to his running game. It's, it's funny to think that maybe he was the one who they should have probably extended first. Seriously. I mean, if someone would have told you Dak Prescott's a top five quarterback and the Cowboys are barely 500, I don't think you would have believed that either. I don't know. I could see that. I mean, I can see Jason Garrett clapping his way to mediocrity. I can always believe in that. I mean, the Cowboys are like that. One of my uh, season predictions was the Eagles rising to the occasion of the NFC, and that is, they are hurt. There's still time. They could do it tomorrow. Think about it, man. All they need is Carson Wentz and the, the graves of wide receivers pass to go in there and just play well. <clears throat> Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson. Man, it's like, uh, it's Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz versus 11 defensive players. I'm going to be honest with you. I really want to see them have to line up Josh McCann at wide receiver. <laughs> I want it to happen. I wanted to see that and see when the corner gets that press coverage and he's just like lying on the ground and Wentz just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, he... I. Wentz is a moron. Um, <laughs> I'm a moron for not starting him. I mean, I, I didn't even make the playoffs because I benched Wentz versus the Dolphins. He puts up 25. I lose by 1.5 because of, I don't know if anybody remembers, DeAndre Hopkins had a speed option, and he pitched it to Deshaun Watson, and they called it a forward pass. So I was tracking stat tracker. All week to see if they would change that to see if I made the playoffs and I didn't. Oh man, that's a that's a fancy bad one right there. That's some ugh. Those are the situations that get you. And the thing is, you want to look back at those last things that happened to you that prevent you get the playoffs. But there's a million of things that happen in the regular season that probably the same way. If I didn't start Baker half the times I did in my big in our big money league, I probably would have had a good enough record to not finish in the bottom quarter of the league. You know, last. it's yeah. Just just to clarify. No, thanks. <laughs> Just in case anybody was listening, yes. <laughs> uh, it, I think with this podcast, the phrase, those who can't do podcast, really comes into play with me and David both not making the playoffs. It definitely does this year. You know, I try to tell people that I focus most of my fantasy energy onto my girlfriend's team, who's now in the third place game. She sadly got a little bit, she got a little screwed over What happened week. in the semis? Well, she had a great team. This league average score, I want to say, a week is 130. Her okay. opponent put up 170. Wow. That's just something you can't run into. And her opponent had Lamar Jackson. Also had Devontae Parker, Chris Godwin. Uh, you know a fantasy player last week who scored 20 points. He was on this team. Yeah, 170. Jeez. Well, we touched on quarterbacks. Let's, let's touch on running backs. Um, the two big names going into the season. We talked about Saquon. We talked about McCaffrey. I predicted that um, McCaffrey will um, – doesn't matter the quarterback. He's yeah. going to be the number one overall player. And then, I mean, you want to touch on Saquon this year? Very disappointing. You texted me a point about Saquon. I did. It's funny. I heard a point, a good point about Saquon, and I think the injuries definitely did hurt him. But one thing that I've always thought about Saquon, and I think he'll learn this eventually, he just tries to break too many big runs. The five to six yard runs, he tries to make them the 20 yarders. He goes back two or three yards. He lets defenders catch up, and eventually they catch up and tackle him. But another guy I actually want to touch on as well, besides Saquon, who I think had a very disappointing year, was Alvin Kamara. You know, the conversation going into this year was a lot of people wanted Saquon. 
A lot of people were debating McCaffrey and debating Kamara, but clearly there was one guy who raised above the others. And Saquon and Kamara, because of injuries, because of touches, because of QB situations, just floundered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk about the whole Saints in general, just watching that historic game on Monday where you knew Breeze was going to get at least three touchdown passes. Michael Thomas, wide receiver number one. Um, if you have him on your team, you're probably in the championship unless you screwed up like me. Drew Brees, I think, was probably when he was hurt for a stretch and you didn't want to keep him on your team and he wasn't drafted particularly high. He probably, if you stuck with him, he probably got you the championship week. So you have Brees, you have Michael Thomas, but you have, and you would think Kamara is the second option, but they're just getting, he's getting sniped on touchdowns. He's mm-hmm. not. I mean, he's having a good season, but not elite top three. Who would have thought Latavius Murray would have had such an impact? You thought when Mark Ingram left that team that there would have been so many more carries to get. And you just even think about last year, those first six to eight games where he was just killing it. You figured that would be this whole season without Mark Ingram, without a real number two behind him. And he's just floundered. Another thing, they um, Jared Cook, he's getting targets and yards, and he is... He is a big person to throw to. Oh, he man. just keeps doing it. He's been so Drew Brees dependent, though. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. Is that when Bridgewater was in there, that passing game went to nowhere, except unless you had Michael Thomas. I have to think that like maybe Peyton's playing it differently than this year with Kamara and his touches. Maybe he's like, you know what? We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to have a tough game against the Niners, the Seahawks, Eagles, Cowboys, Rams, whoever it's going to be. And maybe, maybe he gets 25 touches in, in their playoff game. I guess, but you know, he just doesn't look like the same guy to me this mm-hmm. year. It looks a little bit concerning. It's got he's kind of got not to the same level, but that Todd Gurley look where you're kind of watching him play. And it's like it's not the same guy I, I saw a year ago. You got to think though with Melvin Gordon not getting a contract extension, Zeke getting a huge contract extension, Le'Veon Bell getting paid. Kamara takes a lot of hits the last two years. This is his third season. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's peeking into the future. He didn't get paid big money either. Like. Like Zeke when he was drafted, or Saquon. He was, what, third-round pick? He was a third-round pick. So it's like, conserve your body till you get that 40, 40 million guaranteed. I guess that makes sense. Player. It makes sense, but, you know, if Something's you're not showing your value, tough to really argue for that 40 million, you know, or that next big contract if you're looking like half the player you were in year two and year three. Yeah, and we're still obviously sore from us giving Devontae Freeman big money and... He's done nothing. I thought it was a mistake then. I believe it was a mistake now. You just don't. You shouldn't pay running backs unless they are the upper echelon guys. You know, you look at Todd Gurley, you look at Zeke. It makes sense for those guys. They are the centerpieces of your offense. You kind of have to pay them. You don't really have much of a choice at that point. But at that point and below, you just can't pay running backs. They're I think just... it's fit too. Like I don't think Le'Veon. I think um, the Jets Gase didn't really want Le'Veon Bell. He tried to trade him. He doesn't use him. Like, the Steelers used to use him by throwing to him all the time. Yeah, like, eight catches, 70 yards. Exactly. On top of his 20 carries. Now, Gase's way of throwing to him is once in a while, I'll throw him a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage on third and 14, and think that'll use his, that'll be enough. It just... He'll get traded this offseason. Oh, I, t- I totally agree. I think... It just came to me. I think <clears throat> Kingsbury uses his running backs well. Not David Johnson, one of the no. biggest busts of the year, but Kenyon Drake just had four touchdowns. Like... You, if you put Le'Veon Bell, Kyler Murray, sure up the offensive line, a few wide receivers, like I've been kind of impressed with the with the Cardinals. Cardinals have a very good offense. I think it's just not very consistent throughout the game. You look at the end of the game, though; they put up the numbers, they put up stats. 
But you look throughout, they have these drives where they look unstoppable, and then they have these drives that look like they don't know what they're doing on offense. Right, and I think the, I mean, in the past when you were the number one overall or first-round quarterback and you got put into the game, like, you got roughed up a bit. Like, I, I've seen, I think Kyler Murray's growing. And I yeah, I think if they stick with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, it's like you got to hope next year they're 8-8, eight and eight, and then they make the big leap year three. Mm-hmm. Like, quarterback one to two, obviously not like Baker. You want to make the big leap, but it's really year three when when I think things start clicking for you. No, I can agree with that. I, I think the big thing for them will be how they step up either that defense to help them get a little bit more consistent and how they work with that offense. Christian Kirk's been killing it for them, but do they need another target? I think is a really good question there. I mean, Fitzgerald's not getting any younger. But, of course, you get to set up for the last five years, and he's still doing it. He's still killing it. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I, I wanted to, like... I don't know if we've ever touched on this, but real football and fantasy football, like, they don't always correlate. Like, I think the Buccaneers are garbage, but look at the stats. Like, we didn't, when we talked about quarterbacks, we didn't talk about Jameis Winston, who mm-hmm. count on uh, four touchdowns and two or three interceptions a game. Depending on your scoring for interceptions, we do minus one, which is kind of weird. So, Jameis Winston is a great quarterback in our league. Mm-hmm. And that. We were looking at top five receivers just to recap receivers for the season. And obviously, Michael Thomas is number one above everybody else. And you have a lot of disappointments like Juju, Devontae Adams got hurt. OBJ, huge disappointment. Hasn't gotten hurt or hasn't been out of the game, but never puts up big stats. But um, two and three overall in the season, Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans. Tampa, man, the wide receiver court. You know that you got a good thing going. when Evans went down. Brashad Perryman took over, three touchdowns, 140 yards. You know, it's that passing offense has been clicking on all cylinders from a fantasy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Now, from an actual standpoint, you know, Jameis is going to come out of there, throw something out, probably a pick here that he shouldn't, probably staring down a linebacker that he shouldn't and throwing it right to his chest. But then at the end of the day, you look at his stats, he's putting up 450, five touchdowns, two interceptions. It's kind of like Blake Bortles, I want to say four mm-hmm. years ago, when he and Allen Robinson, they weren't good. They were getting killed by everybody, but they were putting up points galore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, Blake Bortles was running also. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering with Jameis, like in his career progression, can he ever take the next step, throw for a bunch of yards, throw for a bunch of touchdowns, and have less than, I don't know, 10 interceptions in a year? I don't think he can do it. I think from a fantasy standpoint, if Jameis gets the opportunities, he'll be a point getter. The problem is, uh, I just see in the next two to three years, for those people, especially have a dynasty league and looking to keep people, eventually, I think Arians or teams going to get sick of his picks. And they're going to say, you know, we can find somebody who can throw for less yards, but throw for less picks and win us more games. Yeah, I mean, you gotta win. You got to win the turnover battle. And Jameis, if someone gives him like a five-year, $100 million contract, I'd be shocked. Like, I would give him a one-year contract and keep going off that and see if he can get rid of the turnovers. Mm-hmm. And then even that, like, let's say he has one season anomaly and he gets rid of the turnovers. Can he do it for his whole career? I mean, look at, like, Rodgers never has a lot of interceptions. Russell Wilson never has a lot. Lamar Jackson, like, his ratio is ridiculously good. Breeze, Brady, all the elite quarterbacks that are worth $100 million and maybe next year $200 million with the homes. <laughs> You you got to keep the turnovers down, and that doesn't even include the fumbles. Like how many mm-hmm. times do you take, you see a stupid sack from Jameis, 
and he fumbles like the, against Oregon mm-hmm. when he was in college. He looks like every time he turns over the ball, I will give him this. It makes me want to laugh so much. Not because I'm a Falcons fan and I'm anti-Tampa and all that, but he looks like he's getting contortioned in these weird ways, and it looks like someone's like shooting him from a distance. It's like a baby deer. <laughs> Just learning how to walk. Um, Jameis, when, when he has a turnover, it's kind of like when um, a player doesn't make a catch or fumbles and pretends to be hurt. And the next series, they come right out. It's he, the exact same. He looks like a soccer player trying to get a foul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, dude, get up. We know you're okay. He's a, he's a big boy. Um, I mean, let's. I mean, kind of. We recap QBs, running backs. Um, talked about Pittsburgh defense. Uh, we're not going to give time to kickers. But I mean, do you want to do? This isn't doesn't concern us, but preview of championship week. Yeah, this is a big week. You've got a lot of very interesting matchups. You've got. Lamar and them going and playing Cleveland in Cleveland. It'll be an interesting matchup for a lot of people. Cleveland's dirty. They'll try to hurt him. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, good news is Miles Garrett's there and is not there anymore, yeah. so they won't be able to hurt him in that standpoint. But it was a tough matchup for him the first time. They tripped on him. They lost to him. So you wonder if Lamar will be able to show up. Most likely the answer will be yes. Uh, you've got a big slate of games, as we talked about today. You've got Patriots versus Bills. A lot of those people who maybe have Devin Singletary who helped them get to a fantasy championship game. Very tough matchup there. Jameis playing against Houston. Houston doesn't play defense half the time, so that could be a big week if you throw Jameis into your championship weekend. A lot of big things there. Deshaun Watson versus Tampa. They don't play defense. That's going to be a big game, I think, for a lot of fancy people. I I think it's funny we talked about Jameis. I think Jameis is going to be the player of this weekend, though. I think he's going to be the guy who wins people a lot of championships and going in there, as well as Lamar Jackson. I think... Yeah, I mean, it'd be funny, like, like what if you're in the championship um, week, and what do you do? You have Lamar, or you have Jameis Winston? Who are you starting? I'm starting Lamar. I believe in Lamar's running yards, I believe in his matchup a little bit better, and I just believe that they're going to want this game so much, because a win today means they can rest everybody next week. They have the one seed, basically two weeks of bye, just to rest up and get healthy. So the Patriots are not the, the Patriots of the last 20 years. You have Josh Allen, who's top 10 quarterback, versus the Patriots D, who started off the season historic and now is kind of um, evened out. Do you, do you start Josh Allen this week? No. This is a terrible, terrible matchup against the Patriots in my mind. He didn't play well against them the first time. He didn't play well against them all last year. They're in New England. I can't see him getting a ton of yards. I, I could see maybe some rushing yards, him stealing a rushing touchdown from Devin Singletary because that's what he does on a weekly basis, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a matchup I want to see. Also, uh, I think Belichick cares more about the history of the NFL than anybody, and like division titles mean something to him, mm-hmm. and it's a pride thing. So I think like you might see the Patriots' best effort um, against the Bills, like the best team we've seen in in months. Like I mean, they started off so well, and then their offense. I mean, everybody's like they need another receiver. They need Antonio Brown back. I think they have weapons. I just think they're not executing. They have Brady. They have all the running backs. The offensive line is getting healthier. They have Edelman. They have Nikhil Harry, who's a what first round pick. Like they, they have weapons. They're not elite Julio Jones, Michael Thomas weapons. But the Saints don't have. What, what, what do they have besides Michael Thomas at receiver? Uh, Traquan Smith, who's not that good. But uh, I'll give Ted you this. Ginn. Yeah. Ted Brick Brickhands Ginn. That was another one that kind of screwed me up early in the year when I had a desperate move. I tried to start Ted Ginn the weekend they played the Falcons, and it killed me. But in all honesty, to answer your question there, I think the Patriots' problem is they don't have the steam 
figured out in their offense. They used to be able to use Gronk in the scene to really take away a lot of linebackers. Normally, their passing game, they go to the flats, they send Edelman out to the flats, they send James White to the flats, and they make linebackers have to overreact on the flats and be able to live the seam and leave the middle of the field open. Well, linebackers don't care about the seam with them because they're not afraid of Tom Izzo or Jacobs or whatever Izzo is out there playing tight end for them. The they're coach, not afraid the of The coach of Michigan State. Exactly. Tom Izzo when he's playing <laughs> tight end on Sundays and coaching Michigan State on Mondays. But they're just not afraid of them. They're not afraid of their seam routes, so they're able to attack more and really take away those routes from Brady. And he's holding on to the ball more, and he is more of a statue than a sprinter, so yeah. eventually, once you get to him, he starts getting flustered. B- big statue, but you know th- we're on tape for this. It's week 16. You're giving up on the Patriots. Six weeks from now, you know they'll be in the Super Bowl. Well, I'm giving so up on them fantasy-wise. I'm just not picking them. I'm not picking them to win me my fantasy championship. Yeah, I, yeah Brady... Edelman, man, talk about receivers. Edelman's been awesome this year, but like James White kind of disappeared, and everybody else is. I don't know if anybody's worth having. Sony Michelle was supposed to be an RB one. He gets his touchdowns vultured all the time. Brandon Bolden or James White again, or someone else. They spread it around. And it seems like they're struggling to get twenty points a week, where the Ravens are what thirty five, forty points. Not punting at all. It, it's ridiculous. Um, the biggest advice for championship week is don't forget about today. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about today's games because you're going to start people that maybe got injured last week and then you're going to lose big money because you forgot to mm-hmm. make the most important lineup change. It was kind of weird um, Thursday not having any football. Any no, NFL it definitely action. felt weird. I kept checking my phone because I am in Pickham still and I was looking for the game to try to see it and then just... It felt weird, and it kept showing me the bowl game pickums and all that stuff. And it's like I, I don't care that Buffalo's playing Buffalo, the college, not Buffalo Bills. Oh, who won that game? Buffalo. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's it's got to be weird for me and David because Georgia got smacked by LSU. No one's going to show up to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Falcons were out of it months ago. Seems like years ago. Our fancy football teams are dead. But it's like we got to enjoy these last couple weeks because then we're going to have to go into hibernation for seven months. Basically. I mean, I'll say two weeks from now, I mean, I'll be watching NFL playoffs, but I'll probably start getting into draft mode. <laughs> Looking at all the drafts and all that stuff, mock drafts. I've already gotten into mock draft mode, picking people that I want to get there for the Falcons. But I'll be honest, yeah, i got to enjoy these last couple weeks of fantasy football and real football before getting to the playoffs and... It becomes so sparse, and then before you know it, you're in college basketball mode, in NBA mode. March Madness. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Watching, obviously, we'll watch the um, college football playoffs, semis, and the championship. And I'd like the Falcons to take all the players from Clemson, Ohio <laughs> State, uh, LSU. I th- have you? S- Man, Oklahoma's their players are dropping like flies. I hope they don't get beat by fifty in that game. Everybody keeps getting They won't get beat by 50. I mean, maybe like 35, 40. Maybe like Georgia level. Oh, man. Well, yeah. I mean, something we we touched on um, in our first first podcast was kind of how you do payouts and um, formatting your league. Obviously, this would be talking about for for next year. Any good commissioner has the payout structure Mm -hmm. and collected the money. Um, And I talked about having eight teams in the playoffs – instead of six, mm-hmm. and then compensating for the buys because you pay the first-place winner. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on payouts, obviously, going into next year? So, what I've shifted in some of the leagues that I've done, 
We've done weekly payouts. Okay. We do the obvious payouts for the playoff winners for a second and third and a season end winner. But we've also started to pay out our weekly guys. Most points scored usually is the one that we go with. In a head-to-head league? In a head-to-head league, yeah. The way that we look at it and the way that I agree with it is that, you know, the playoffs are a little bit more of a crapshoot. You're talking about three weeks for really kind of all the majority of your money. At least in the regular season, you can pay certain people out who won't have that week one playoff success. So you pay the weekly winners. Does the person also who wins the regular season get money? They do. Okay. So like, let's say there's, um, let's say there's a thousand bucks in the in the whole league. What percentage of that goes to weekly winners? Ten bucks. Uh, I would say ten bucks. Yeah. Normally. So you're paying out 160 bucks. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we do it for the regular season. Right, the way that we look at it is the regular season that way. You don't get that extra additional in the playoffs. So a little 10 to 15% of the pot goes to a week. Okay, that's interesting. The reason I like that also is because you always have so many teams. This is just head-to-head, not rotisserie. You have so many guys who maybe have like the fourth or fifth most scored points, and they make ninth or tenth and don't even make the playoffs. And you always have that guy who scores like – the ninth or tenth most points, and he's like the three or four seed. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. That's why we love head-to-head matchups because you get to root against somebody else. But at the end of the day, if you're the one scoring points and you put up one thirty against a guy who had one seventy, it, it kind of sucks. So it kind of evens it out with the weekly winners because it's like maybe you, you're out of the playoffs, you can't make the playoffs because you had a really tough matchup. You're still really trying hard weeks ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Because you want that ten bucks, you want mm-hmm. that fifteen bucks, you want to earn as much money as you can. I mean, I like weekly winners just, um, just as long as like the the payout's not severe. I, I don't like taking a lot of money away from um, the end of year championship because I, I like a big pot of money. Like mm-hmm. yes, I won and I just won a ton of money. But like I've seen in the last couple years where I think the best team. Or the the one who scored the most regular season points, the the one who has the best players, consistent all year. He just it's hard to win three weeks in a row. No, I agree. They lose in the semis. They don't even make the championship. Like our, I almost my team we've talked about many times was loaded last year. I got lucky to win like one twenty to one eighteen in the semis. No, I agree with that. In my work fantasy league, a buddy of mine, buddy of both of ours, uh, Mr. Corcoran out there, went twelve and one. He was undefeated going into the last week of the regular season. We go into the playoffs, the one versus eight seed, and he got upset. He got upset that week one. And at that point, he had a historic fantasy season, basically because he had three great running backs and Dalvin Cook, Fournette, and Le'Veon Bell, and the Patriots defense. And he was able to really run through the fantasy season. But if we didn't do our weekly payouts, he wouldn't have made really that much money. He would have gotten his money back for the season, which would have been nice, but he wouldn't have made a profit. You have a season like that, you deserve to make a profit. You know, you deserve to get into that scenario and say, at least I made money off this fancy season. And that's, why, the championship. and that's why I like paying the regular season winner also. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you win the regular season, you make some money. You're a weekly winner, there's more opportunity to make money. You win three weeks in a row in playoffs, you make some money. Like, when you have 10 or 12 guys and you're asking for uh, a significant amount of buy-in every year and you want the same teams to come back and build the camaraderie and all mm-hmm. that, you want to have multiple winners. Like, we like having a different champion every year because... Then you'll buy in for the next couple years and try to win two in a row and really make some serious money. Um, so, talk, I mean, going from payouts to the opposite, we this is more fun and creative, but 
I'm sure you thought about if you didn't have to pay the suck fee this year for making last, like what punishment would you Would I have rather done than paying the suck no, fee? No, would you hate to do? Would I hate to do see to me I hate the SAT ones. I hate the one having to go and waste your time and spend four hours, wake up early, which I already don't like, mm-hmm. and then take the SATs and then realize how far I have fallen from high school when I actually studied and I actually learned things and now how far I have fallen. That would be just so frustrating to me. Um, I, what about you, Mitch? I think that you have like an option. Like you have five different punishments and the league votes what you have to do. And I would base it on people's worst fears. So if someone's claustrophobic, stick them in a car all day. If someone um, hates reading, make them like read a book and write a book report. If someone... I think it's a big jump from claustrophobic to keeping someone in a car for a day to making them do a book report. I- I'm just saying. But I like... just you're basing <laughs> it off biggest fears. That's fair. Um What's an, like you hate strangers in your car? Make them drive for Uber for a day. You. I do love the Uber one. I've always thought that was a great one. It's like one thing we're doing for our work punishment is that our guy's got to go at the entrance of our office, and he's got to be wielding a sign all day that says "I suck at fantasy football," and he's got to do it for actually just the lunch hour. We wouldn't make him do it all day. He's got to work, but that's a good one. Yeah, that's one of the ones that, and we just the funny thing is our guy who's about to lose. He's a very quiet guy, very shy guy, and you know he's going to hate being the center of attention. So it actually fits into your fear thing. If someone, if you have a buddy who hates talking to girls or hates dating, um, make them download an app and they have to go on a blind date. That would be great for gold. That yeah. would be so. That would be his worst dreams is to make him go out, put him on Tinder, put him on a he bubble. He has to go. He will not make last. I promise you that because you you. Try harder based on fear. Um, I always like the idea of um, like getting the whole league together and like throwing stuff at someone. Fruit, tomatoes, eggs. I think t- tomatoes are fruit. Let's not check. Veggies also. Sorry. <laughs> Starting to argue. It only took thirty minutes on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, dumping like tomato sauce on someone. Uh, honey, chocolate. What about the 5K in business casual? I love that. <laughs> really good idea. So that would be the worst fear on someone who's not like really into um, fitness. It's like, or they don't like sweating, or they don't like work clothes, or they don't like suits. You build I'm it just saying, I think that's worse for the person who doesn't like suits. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I feel like we're both fit people, so I think maybe that's why I'm not thinking about from the fit standpoint. Maybe in our own minds. But what if, what if you make it even go even further? It's like, yeah, people can run a 5K and you're not going to die, but what if it's like, hey... You have to you have to run in thirty minutes. You have to do like a real. You have to train for this for like a couple weeks a month. It's not even like a normal five k. It's like one of those weird ones, like a black light five k. Uh-huh. Or um, uh, I did one earlier this year that was a black light five k. So they're gonna throw the powder at you in your suit. <laughs> okay, that that would not be fun. I remember when we were in a fraternity where one of the punishments was someone would just take flour and just throw it in your face. It was yeah, really love that guy. Shout out. You know who you are. You're a listener. Um, yeah, punishments are always fun, but it's got to kind of agreed upon before the season starts just so you can motivate people by the fear and try your hardest and be your most competitive. Like, if you look at our league this year, I thought it was super competitive. With the exception of you, like 11 teams 
could have made the playoffs going into like week. 12. You know, and you say that, but there was a four way tie for last place. <laughs> you have to think about that for a second here. But I had the same record as our person who came in ninth. I just had the least amount of points. <laughs> so I never had a tiebreaker. So it's not a tie. Um, yeah, to- yeah, making last. With My your- heart it is. Yeah, you're right. Making last with your record. Plus your total points, plus the standing. I mean, that is pretty much you had the worst team. Oh, yeah. This is the worst team I've ever had in fantasy. It was pretty bad. And it'll come back harder next year. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely work harder. I will not find myself in this place again. I'll just start studying what I did for my girlfriend. Yeah. And it, it, move forward. I feel like, yeah, that's changed David's life definitely for the be- for the better. Does uh, mm-hmm. does the family get to meet her over the... Um, what is that already? Uncle Fred? Fred has met her. Oh, there you go. She, she was warned several times before she met Uncle Fred. Shout but, out Uncle Fred. <laughs> um, Julio but, Jones is a bad pick. Yes, he was terrible. If you ask Fred, Julio is not only the worst player to play for the Falcons, but in the 2016 year, Fred also believed that Matt Ryan should have been benched. For those of you who don't remember, 2016 was when Matt Ryan won the MVP. So let's <laughs> let's get into Matt Ryan real quick. Because when I was betting on the Niners last week and I was... Hoping that the Falcons lost, and obviously they win. I was thinking to myself, Matt Ryan always has awesome stats, but more often than not, the team is not a real Super Bowl contender, with the exception of that one year. I think Matt Ryan not only has the has great stats, it's all mental and you're playing for nothing. They beat the Niners because he doesn't have the... Yeah, it's a win or a loss, but who cares if he loses? Mm-hmm. I guarantee if that is the same matchup and they're fighting for a number one overall seed, they don't go on that drive, they don't score the touchdown. You know, an interesting thing about Matt Ryan, he's since he's entered the league, he's easily top two. I believe he's number one when it comes to comeback drives in the league. So I don't know. Which I, means I, he put his team in a position to be down. Yes, that's a very good argument there. I can count on that. But he finished off the drill. And in today's NFL... Games are a lot closer. Games are always coming down to those last drives, those last things. Who's the guy who's going to be able to finish off a game like that? And I, I would like to look at, go into depth, off off air, on those comeback drives against the 4-12 and 12 Buccaneers, or teams that weren't in contention, or teams that wanted better draft picks, or teams that already quit on them because the, the coach was fired. We can go game by game if you want. That'll be a separate podcast. That, called, that'll be the Matt Ryan podcast. It's called the David Defends Matt Ryan for Life podcast. <laughs> I, I am a Matt Ryan fan because I hate the, oh, who are we going to draft for our quarterback? So being in the league 10 plus years is awesome. I'm just saying, I, I just... There, we have to, we're like the Cowboys, but worse. We have so much talent, and we make excuses because people get hurt. We have shit the bed with our drafts the last couple of years, and everybody's like, "Oh, our offensive line looks so good because Lindstrom and McGarry just played together." It's like, okay, but they've been hurt all year. You draft people that don't get hurt. Two is a great quarterback. When he gets in the NFL, if he's hurt every year, is he that great? No, I, my thing about that with Winston McGarry, I agree with you about the injuries. I think the worst thing that the Falcons did was they also signed two offensive linemen and re-up Tyson Brillo, and none of those three guys have really made an impact on this team this year. Carpenter's on the IR, Brown's done nothing. You, know, you look at that, you put your investment in the offensive line, and it just kind of lets you down there. It's time to clean house. Oh, man, GM, I, coach, love them, they did great things, time to go. Do you think they keep them though if they went no, out? No, they can't. That is just so stupid. I didn't say it was smart or stupid. I said, do you think they do anybody it? Anybody watch National Signing Day on Wednesday? USC, uh, like, shit or get off the pot with Clay Helton. 
He shouldn't be there. This is USC. Get rid of him. They had the like 75th recruiting class, if it's that high. They were number 12 out of the Pac-12. Get rid of him. Get a young, doesn't have to be young, get an innovative offensive mind. College football, NFL, it is an offensive game. Clemson scores a lot of points. Ohio State scores a lot of points. Oklahoma, LSU finally changed things. Mm-hmm. And don't even get me started on Georgia football and Kirby Smart and wanting to win games 20-17. to 17. Now, I don't disagree there. The game has changed in an offensive way. And you look at it, there used to be a trend of hiring defensive coordinators as head coaches in the NFL. When, really when the Falcons were hiring. Yeah, and I think that used to be the trend. But now the reason why the trend has changed is because an offensive, it's such an offensive game. It's so strategic from an offensive standpoint. Defense, the way you win on defense is you have better players. There's not much strategy to it. It's about motivation and having the better players. <coughs> Sorry, I get choked up about that. But when you look at the 49ers, who have one of the best defenses this year, it's not because they're just so much a step ahead of everybody from a strategic standpoint. It's because they've got the horses. D and they Ford, drafted Bosa. very well. They drafted so many defensive linemen. And developed them. And they, like the linebackers are no names. They went defensive line, and they have a good secondary. Oh, did I mention the Falcons beat the Niners because three of their starters in the secondary weren't playing? Yeah, but we still didn't score points at the end. I mean, that just doesn't... Switching this whole conversation to get back to fantasy football. Yeah, one with the offensive talk mm-hmm. real quick. Talked about college, NFL, everybody's so excited about the Ravens. They have a good defense, but also their offense is putting up historic numbers. The Niners have Shanahan. They're putting up big numbers. The Saints always score a lot of football. Get rid of Quinn. Get an offensive coach. Okay. Um, I mean, how do, how do you want to you want to wrap this up with predictions of championship week, NFL playoffs, what to expect in the offseason? I'm thinking two predictions. I'm thinking a prediction for this championship weekend and an offseason prediction. And I'll get you started with championship weekend. I think the – it's tough to call him a surprise player, but everyone's looking at the Lamar Jacksons, Christian McCaffrey's. I think the guy who's going to come through this weekend – and helps a lot of people win fantasy football championships, Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry, no one wants to tackle Derrick Henry in December. It's been proven the last three years that no one wants to really do it. I think this is the week he's got a matchup against the Saints in Tennessee. I got a good feeling about this one. I think Derrick Henry goes off and I think wins a bunch of people money. My prediction for championship weekend, so when I was in championship weekend last year, I needed a wide receiver three. So you need a... If your team is hurt, Dalvin Cook got hurt, or your quarterback got hurt, or something like that, my I'm not going to predict a player, but a pickup that you make this week could win you big money. So don't just be content or stagnant with your team and start like your wide receiver 4-5 who gives you 5 or 6 points. Last year I picked up Robbie Anderson from the Jets. He scored 23 points. It was awesome. I'll always remember Robbie Anderson. Um, instead of my studs that were on the team all year. Um, off-season prediction would be that... Well, I was looking, before this, Kyler Murray, I think, is a top-10 fantasy quarterback. So, I always, like David said, we both are quarterback-obsessed. All JCC quarterback three years in a row over here. Um, my off-season prediction would be um, just about Tua. I wanna. I think he'll go pro. He hasn't. I don't think he's announced yet. He's playing games on Twitter, um, and then going with Tua, like track Tua, see what team he goes to. Is it an innovative offensive coach? If he goes to the Dolphins, and I think they're pretty excited about him, they have a defensive coach that came from the Patriots. 
He's not an offensive mastermind. Um, and then Joe Burrow. I think I. I don't know much about Cincinnati's coach. I know he's an offensive guy. I know he met McVay, <laughs> shook hands with him. They talked at least once. They, they had one conversation. <laughs> they talked at least once, but I mean, I'm just not a big fan of the Bengals. I never have been. But I will say, if Burrow goes to the Bengals and they have a good scheme, and AJ Green resigns and Joe Mixon, Burrow with Green with Mixon, that's pretty nice. Um. I, and I hope Tua doesn't go to rot with the Dolphins in the AFC East because I think the Bills are building something. I think the Jets will finally one day get on track. And the Patriots are always going to be there. Um, I don't know. Imagine like Tua with like Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay, or something like that. They're sticking with Jameis, man. You watch. They're going to not only are they sticking with him. I mean, the root they should franchise him. They should franchise him just like Tennessee should franchise Tannehill. But both teams are going to sign him to three or four year contracts. They're going to overextend on it, and then when they regress back to the mean, they're going to be questioning themselves. Now, that's not my prediction. Wait, no. one, more, <laughs> one more off-season prediction. The co-offensive coordinator for LSU, his last name is Brady. He came from the Saints. He's going to get a big job. I don't you think, think in the NFL? Or? I think so. I think he'll, he'll go from LSU, kind of like the, the mastermind behind everything who learned under Peyton, to like... I think someone's going to take a shot. I don't think NFL coach, but I wouldn't be big surprised. Offensive coordinator? Yeah. Big offensive coordinator spot at a big school in college football or the NFL. Interesting. Interesting. I think, honestly, I counter you on this. I think if Joe Brady is smart, and I think Coach O is a fun character, I don't think he is the big reason I agree that they're winning. I agree with you. It's Joe Brady. If I was Joe Brady, I would wait it out at LSU. Because either A, you're going to continue to have great offenses and win championships and do that, and you're going to eventually get whatever job you want, or B, you're going to put up great offenses, Coach O's going to look bad, and you can just take over that spot. You can Gus Malzahn. I think that it screams a Gus Malzahn, Gene Chizik situation. You've got to be super patient. but You do, but if it's the best scenario, I mean, he knows that he can go to LSU and win with the talent that they've amassed there. I think you get a five-star quarterback every year. I don't know much about Miles Brennan. I know he's their backup. He's a big kid, but like... Yeah, Brad Johnson's kid coming this year. Max Johnson. <laughs> so what's uh, what's your off-season prediction? My off-season prediction, it's funny you talk about the draft and the quarterbacks. I'm going to talk about the draft and wide receivers. If you saw Todd McShay sent out his way, way, way too early mock draft, eight wide receivers in the first round, this next upcoming year is going to be the year of rookie receivers. We're going to see it a lot, and I think the biggest impact it's going to have is on two teams who I think are very wide receiver light, the Buffalo Bills and the Packers. I think both those teams are going to try to get younger at wide receiver, get some more playmakers, whether it's one of the Alabama three, whether it's Justin Jefferson from LSU or CeeDee Lamb, who I feel like is, he's never really not had attention on him, but with all the stuff that LSU and Alabama are doing, just not much out there about him. I think you're going to see both those teams draft wide receivers early in the draft, probably first round, and then make big moves in their offense because of it. And be on the lookout for those Clemson receivers. I think those guys Oh, yeah, I even forgot T. Higgins. T. Higgins, Justin Ross in a couple years. Like, they're, yeah, those receivers are coming. They're, they're built differently. I wanted to wrap this up real quick just with a Super Bowl prediction. Okay. You want to go first or me? I'll let you go first. I think... I, I still believe in the Patriots. I just think that there's there's going to be some magic juice with with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Um, I still I'm going to stick by my prediction. I do think Lamar gets hurt. Um, I've liked what I've seen from the Chiefs defensive line. Um, they're finally getting some pressure, so I'm going to go Chiefs in the AFC. 
NFC. I think it's going to be Mahomes, Breeze in the Super Bowl. A little redemption from last year for the Saints. Um, Super Bowl's in Miami? Yep. Is it dome or open air? Well, you know how Miami does it now. They cover their seats, the fans, but the field is still open. Okay. So they can still rain on you, the field, but they won't rain on the fans. Because that's what's most important. Yeah, I think I think Saints over Chiefs. And I, and I know one of their stud defensive ends is hurting out for the season, but I think... Man, I think the Saints are peaking at the right time. See, I'll be honest with you. I think it's an AFC team. The two ones I like are the Chiefs as well and Baltimore. But I think this just seems like a magical year for Baltimore and Lamar. I think they find a way to get there, get to the Super Bowl from the AFC side. From the NFC side, I do not want to see the Saints in there. I think it's the Packers and the 49ers. I think it's the 49ers. I think we see a rematch of Ravens 49ers in the Super Bowl. And I think... That ironically, the 49ers take a lead, they blow it. I think the Ravens win this game. Lamar Jackson is Harold, king of the NFL, king of the world, and then drafted number one by many people in next year's fantasy drafts. And I would say that I think the Ravens are the best team right now. I will agree with, but I do think Lamar gets hurt. I would say the Ravens if I didn't think he was going to get hurt. That's fair. If Lamar doesn't get hurt, I just think it's it just seems it's so tough for me to think about them right now and, and see anyone beating them. I just can't see it right now. I mean, maybe Belichick on a try too. Maybe the Saints and Sean Payton. Who oh, you're gonna have to outscore them. Yeah, and they have a clutch kicker, and they have a good defense, and they have a good coach. Yeah, Ravens. Ravens are solid. Just so good. Um, well, yeah. Want to thank the thank the listeners for for dealing with us all year. When do you think uh, When do you think we'll be back? I think next year we'll have a little bit more shows. I know we did four this first season. But I got a couple ideas for us for the pre-fantasy draft, having some interviews next year, really expanding our content. But just like Mitch said, I really want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast, and I hope you, for those who are still in it, I hope you are able to find a way to win. And for those who aren't, feel your pain. Yeah, and keep gambling. See you guys.